Welcome to Watchman on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Thank you for spending some of your day with us. Today on the program, Greg Patton is starting a revival meeting, and we'll get a sneak peek of our brand new podcast, In the Beacon's Light. We're here to bring clarity to the world around us. If we can ever be of any help to you or your family, please reach out. We have a dedicated staff ready to pray with you and for you. Call 1-800-652-1144. Be encouraged, my friend. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. We're hearing from so many first-time listeners, whether on the radio, online, or on our podcast. Thank you for checking us out. We're so glad that you're here. Be sure to pick up the new listener pack. In the pack is a welcome letter with history about the ministry, the latest issue of the Prophetic Observer, and a free gift. Call 1-800-652-1144 and get your free new listener pack today. 1-800-652-1144 or online swrc.com. Author, pastor, and conference speaker Greg Patton begins a brand new teaching series today and is here to start a revival meeting. Oftentimes in my revival meetings across the country, I'll say this. We are about 10 years behind the world. Today's church, 10 years behind what the world was 10 years ago. Are we too much like the world and maybe too little like Jesus Christ today? I want to be like him. Isn't that your prayer? We've had six children, my wife and I, Sharon. Raising boys has given me a great deal of appreciation for the concept of revival or transformation. Maybe that's what I should say. My children, the third one, could he be in his 40s? Is that possible? You watch them move from being that little toddler, and I look at those pictures. It's fantastic. And preschool, and then how did he become a teenager already? And then right into adulthood. There are times when boys stall out, and they're maturing from one stage of life to another. Some of you know exactly what I'm saying. Content with the level of care they receive in one stage, it's difficult to see any need to get on to the next one. What do I need to mature for? In reality, it's not just little boys who get stuck in these stages of life. Everyone listening to me right now is in the same position. It even happens in the lives of individual believers, and entire churches can go that way. We know that when Christ gets hold of a life or gets hold of a church, revival occurs. Scripture teaches that sin is forgiven, mercy is shown, and lives are made new. Tell me that doesn't excite you. But there are seasons in life when growth stalls out, and as believers, we have a new standing with God, but our life in the world doesn't always reflect that thing. I traveled around America and overseas preaching the Word of God, and I told people, I'm not really an evangelist. So much of evangelism is getting people saved, getting them into the church, preach that message, the altars fill, people get saved. 
I was more of a revivalist. I usually preached to the choir. I would challenge you to name your sin and get that thing taken care of. It hasn't changed to this very day. The Apostle Paul knew that ongoing revival could stall in the lives of the Corinthian believers. In response, he wrote a pretty tough letter to them about the nature of the gospel and how this thing was to be lived out in the natural course of life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Well, that's a tough start. I have fed you with milk, really, and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet are ye able. And that's pretty tough, isn't it? For ye are yet carnal, for whereas among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Well, that pretty well tells it. We certainly like to think of ourselves as mature, but when we really get challenged scripturally, we realize I am not there. And there have been numerous studies out there uncovering how many churches were transformed, and it was ongoing. But unfortunately, there's too many where that thing has stalled, and I think it's truer today than ever before. We have gotten away in so many areas from the true teaching of the Word of God. Mega churches are very big, and I'm all for them. They're preaching the Word of God, folks getting saved, hundreds coming in. But quite often, it's an entertainment center. You find a lot of young people, especially, returning to the small church. Maybe that's where you attend. Paul's letter to the Corinthian church seems as apical today as ever. As in any generation, God's children have a tendency to stall out, and the reasons seem to be universal. None of us like things to stall out. I'm terrible in the mechanic business, and for some reason I've had an awful lot of old cars and trucks, and I found out that they stall out. <laughs> I remember having a old Chevelle. That thing was running on faith and fabric. And I remember at one point, the floorboards actually in the back seat were rotted out. We would go to church in that thing. And I oftentimes wondered, would one of the kids somehow slip through the floorboard and just disappear in that car? It was a terrible car. And I'm telling you, if you headed down a country road, oh, the inside of that thing would be filled with dust in no time. Oh, those are great memories. At best, it stalled out at the worst of times. I think I ended up leaving it on our busy bypass in Fort Wayne, Indiana, right in the middle of the road one day. It went nowhere, and we just got out of it and walked home, never to see it again. Yep, it would stall out in the worst of places and in the worst of times. And being the proud preacher that I am, it was odd. It was embarrassing. But we didn't have the resources to make things any better. Can any of you identify with that? We had to endure with something that stalled at the most inopportune moment, and I just hated that thing. How times have changed today. I dislike it even more when life stalls on me, and that happens. When I see the spiritual growth of my people, my church stagnate, Christians are to experience all oh, that new life every day. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I want it. But you've got to work at that thing. You've got to have a passion. The connection to Christ is a guarantee that change is continual. I listen to some of my messages from even five years ago. And you know, in my growing, they do not work. I would rather you not listen to them. 
I wonder what it'll be like here as we speak on the radio now. Will I want to change this message in five years? Maybe. But the closer you are to the Word of God and just share that, the better your chances are of that thing lasting forever and ever. There's a great preacher on the radio by the name of J. Vernon McGee, one of the most popular ever. And that guy has preached and preached, and he's been dead 50 years. That is a great ministry. He just simply went through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and started all over again. People, that really works. The eternal reality is that we were saved from sin, and it should have a daily effect on our life in this old world in which we live. But sometimes you've got to admit it's true of all of us. The thing stalls. How can we liberate people? How can we liberate our churches and get them out of that spiritual lethargy? Is it possible? The first letter to the Corinthians was probably tough for Paul to write and tough for the church to receive. You know what? I think if you are in a good Bible-believing church, you will get your toes stepped on a lot, my friend. Yes, you will. That's just the way it is. We don't need any more popcorn, sugar-covered anything in the church. It's too easy. We don't need any more positive mental attitude messages. We need the truth of the Word of God. And a lot of it is very negative. Oftentimes on my daily radio broadcast called Hello World, people say, you're so negative. Well, that's the world, and that's why I want to close it with a positive message every day from the Word of God to encourage you. How about the Ten Commandments? How many of them are negative? It's a negative world. It is. Here they were in the midst of a city known for all a wrong moral code, everything wrong there at Corinth. Many of us live, work, we worship in a city that's very similar to Corinth. And sadly, the moral code of the city became the moral code for so many believers there at Corinth. And the same happens in our day today. The letter from Paul leaps from antiquity today right into our laps. I just don't hurt for my congregation. I know what's going on out there. That thing hurts me. The Spirit convicts me. I'm too often forced to admit that a stalling effect maybe has taken place in my own life. I need a revival. Many think that that's impossible for the United States of America, and maybe they are correct, my friend. I mean, with the teaching coming out of our public school system today, starting at the very young, after 12 years of that teaching, what are these young people going to do and believe in the United States of America? But I can have a revival. I can have it today. You can have it today. Brothers, I was not able to speak unto you as spiritual people. That's what he's saying. You are a baby, so here's a little milk. I can't give you any meat. That's what he's saying in 1 Corinthians 3. That's what he did say. There's envying and strife among you. What church is that today? Hmm? The members of the Corinthian church had placed their faith. They did it right. They believed in Jesus Christ, and they moved from darkness into light. But somewhere along the line, you have to ask, what? in the world happen, their lives stalled. They didn't lose their salvation, but they had lost any forward momentum in their daily lives for real life revival or transformation. When we lead folks in the process of discipleship, and we should, it's one of the big problems in the church today, is we get them saved and God bless you, you're on your own, come to church next Sunday. They have to be taught. 
oftentimes we get our message, people say, why are you preaching on demons? What's the idea? I think you need that tool in your tool belt because sooner or later it's going to come to your church. It's going to come to you, and you need to know what you're doing. I think we need to orient people in the reality of the invisible war that's going on. Romans chapter 8, very good place there, verse 8 and 9. Those lies that are in the flesh, how can you please God being in the flesh? You're not in the flesh. You've been saved. You're in the Spirit. That's what it's telling us. But if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Christ. Once a Christian, the Spirit lives within you. You know that. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.17, great verse. That old self, you know I have that war all the time. I'm often forced to admit that I have that stalling effect in my own life, my Christian friend. It happens. I have to fight that flesh nonstop in my mind. I'll do this in the pulpit sometimes. I'll be stomping down on the floor there saying, get down, flesh, get down. Why? It's still there. You're two people, flesh and spirit. I'm the guy that had the drinking problem, the smoking problem, the cussing problem, the lust problem. I mean, all of those things. It can well up at a moment's notice. Absolutely can. And you know it's true for your life as well. So their lives stalled out. It can happen to any of us. The cross has definitely been what? Transformational and should be for you. I have a great deal of hope that God's got some great things planned for us, and it can happen. I was recently down in Tennessee, and I was preaching revival, all excited about the way things were going. Found out there was a church down there that had gone week after week after week, seven days a week with some sort of an unusual tent revival going on. So they can break out all over the country. It can break out where you live, my friend. But the people have to be prepared for that thing. Yep, we have chosen to pursue change for ourselves, for the church, for our community. That's what happens when Jesus Christ comes into your life and you get serious about the work of God. I think 1 Corinthians 3 gives us a portrait of what church members must guard against in order to experience the fullness of revival that God wants in your heart or a, a transformation. Let's say that. That's what we're really talking about, a transformed life. I'm going to point out some things here, maybe some major roadblocks that happen in your life. How does this thing, why can't I have an individual revival? And how long does it take for you to need revival? I think it's something that has to be ongoing in your life. When we think about revival, we think about souls being saved, lives being changed. You know, one of the disappointing things for me that occurred, and I've really thought about this a lot since, we would have great revivals in churches. I mean, I can give you the names of pastors and churches around the country who said it was the greatest revival the church ever had. Such was the case of Maranatha Baptist Church over in Vajardo, Puerto Rico. We had a great meeting over there. When I was preaching in Vajardo, and that used to be the largest Navy base for the United States in the world, was in Vajardo, Puerto Rico, just off the coast. There. Just incredible place. And I was so excited to go to Puerto Rico, take the whole family. We traveled the island there in eight different churches in five weeks, just preaching all over. It was fantastic what God was doing. In fact, when I was preaching in Vajardo, the Royal Air Force came over, and one night, one of our revival meetings, all of these Brits came. They were mechanics for the Royal Air Force. I'm telling you, I thought I was in the middle of the Beatles talking to all these guys. They were everywhere. And it was really exciting talking to them and hear those accents. That night I preached, I think there were nine of them there. Five of them came to know Jesus Christ as Savior that night. 
Talk about an exciting time. It was indeed. But here was the thing that was so upsetting to me when it was finished. We're rejoicing, right? We're rejoicing in the revival and the souls saved and lives changed. And then the associate pastor said this. You know, Pastor Pat, there's only one thing, brother, that's wrong with these kinds of meetings. And I said, really, what could that be? I mean, really, help me out. What could that possibly be? He said, it's going to take this church 30 days to get back to normal. Now, tell me that's not sad, my friend. Who wants to go back to normal? I don't want to go back to normal. Reference to the life that I lived, I have been changed. Once revival hits, God speaks to my heart. I do a 180. What do I want to go back to normal for? That is such an incredible statement when you think about it. You don't want to go back to normal either. We read here in 1 Corinthians 3, the Corinthian believers were acting like little babies in Christ. They had Christ. They were just neglecting to grow up. They could have been eating solid spiritual food, but they needed to stay on that milk because there was no maturity. The only answer I know of this thing is to have a lot of exercise in your life. We all know that every believer can be transformed, absolutely, but you can't be transformed without truth. John 8, 32, you shall know it. Know the truth. It'll change you, my friend. Time in the Word of God, it's a necessity if you're going to win in the spiritual exercise of life. Church members must not fall into that trap of thinking that that group study is enough, that cell group meeting is enough. I think everyone should be involved in a small group study, however you do that, that's fine, and be exposed to strong biblical preaching. But hey, be very careful here. Don't leave out that personal time with the Word of God. That's how He speaks to you. It is a quick path to stalling in your spiritual transformation in life. You got to get in to the Word of God. Exercise, well, that begins with prayer. In another letter, Paul wrote this Don't worry about anything. And that's really easy to do, is it? Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Philippians 4 6. Do you do that? It really is a great start so that you're not stalling and that you're not getting like the world. You want to be more like Christ, and that's really what we've been trying to teach you, my friend, and you can be there. Revival, even though it's singular, maybe you're the only one in church, but you can have revival, my Christian friend. Get back to the things of God if you somehow have stalled out. It's really the only way to live and walk this Christian walk. To get a copy of today's message by Greg Patton, call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Our brand new podcast, In the Beacon's Light, is hosted by Jerry Tyson. This podcast is designed to use something temporal to point us to the eternal. Today, we're going to take a sneak peek at one of the episodes of In the Beacon's Light, which is available on all the major podcast platforms right now. Haggai 1-7, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. God is saying, take a look at yourself. Do an inventory of your thoughts, your motives, your actions, your relationships. 
See what will happen if you continue in the direction you're going. Is this what you really want for your life? Is this the legacy you want to leave behind? Here was the biblical situation. The people of Israel lived comfortably in fine homes. The temple, the visible symbol of God's presence among them, was far from complete. Here was the question before the residents of Jerusalem. Do you think it's right for you to live in such comfort when the house of God is little more than a past memory or a future promise? Twice Haggai challenged Israel to consider your ways. They were paying a high price for forgetting God. Their crops failed. Their drink didn't quench their thirst. Their clothes were not sufficient to keep them warm, and no matter how much they earned, they couldn't pay their bills. God was judging his people for putting him at the bottom of their priorities. Friend, the challenge to consider is ours as well in a society that is so firmly established on having things, seeing something in an advertisement and wanting it, keeping up with the Joneses and everyone else on the block, have we forgotten what we owe God? Paul asked the people of Corinth, for who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. The problem has been with humanity from time immemorial. The problem in its rawest form is greed. Many people think putting a dollar in the plate when it passes by is enough. Truth be told, a dollar in today's economy barely pays for the electricity one person would need while in the church, let alone the heat or the air conditioning, building upkeep, and salaries. Oh, and what about the missionaries? Tracks, lawn mowing, and, well, the list we could make would be rather lengthy. If all we have was received of God, how much do we owe him? In the Old Testament, one-tenth was required, 10%. But there was 10% of wages, of crops, of livestock, of any increase. The total came closer to 30%. It's often been said, we cannot outgive God. That's true. While the car will eventually need to be replaced, the roof may need to be fixed or the heater updated, our clothes will wear out and other bills keep going up, God will bless our faithfulness. When we give with an attitude of gladness for the privilege, God will bless us. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8, we find a classic passage on giving. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. The concept here is not to give for the sake of getting more, but to gladly give back to the Lord some of what he has given us. You cannot outgive God. He will never 
be a debtor to anyone. Read Haggai 1, 4 through 8. Here it is. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, and bring wood, and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. We have our homes, our cars, our vacations, cable TV, pension plans, and full refrigerators. What have we given to God? Some say, I can't afford to give anything to God. I can hardly meet the obligations I have now. Consider your ways. God should be at the top of the list on your budget. Bring what is due to him, and he will take pleasure in it and be glorified. He might also patch the holes in your bag. Allow your crops to yield more and stretch your budget farther than you expect. In closing, you may have heard or read Luke 6.38, which says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be meted to you again. I don't know what more any of us would need to solidify God's plan for us when it comes to giving back to those of his followers who are faithful to him. 100% without God's blessing is much less than 90, 80, or even 70% with God's blessing. Something to think about. We've been listening to a sample episode of In the Beacon's Light, our brand new podcast. New episodes of In the Beacon's Light are released each Tuesday and Friday. You can subscribe to this podcast, In the Beacon's Light, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, and TuneIn. Subscribe to In the Beacon's Light today. We've got an exciting opportunity from our Resource Center today. The entire online prophecy conference that's going on right now through Saturday, well, guess what? It's now available on DVD. Ten speakers, hours and hours of sound prophecy insights and teaching that you don't want to miss, and it's right here, right now, on DVD. Perfect for Sunday school, homeschool, small groups, or your personal study. Listen to the lineup of speakers in this DVD set. Billy Crone, Bob Cornuke, Rabbi Kurt Schneider, Todd Friel, Bill Federer, Dr. Larry Spargimino, Michael Smith, Dr. Kenneth Hill, Greg Patton, and James Collins. Hours of prophecy teaching. It's all compiled for you in a set of DVDs for a gift of $50 or more. Get your DVD set of the Summer Prophecy Conference right now. Simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. 
You can also order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. And as always, remember that when you order materials like this DVD set, you're supporting Watchmen on the Wall, and you're helping us continue to proclaim that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Friday, Greg Patton will conclude his revival meeting message, and James Collins and Pastor Billy Crone will look at how to have a marriage built to last. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.